On today's pod, we have Stephanie Davies guest hosting an interview with Tavneet Singh. So just a little disclaimer here, both of these students are on the production team of Lean In, and both of these students work in my group as researchers. And while I've seen these women grow into confident young people that have made significant contributions to our team over these years, I really didn't know them that well. And this re- interview really helped me better understand what makes them tick, or as you'll find out, TikTok. So please lean in to this conversation with Stephanie Davies and Tavneet Singh. Okay, well, hello everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Steph. I'm a part of the production team here at Lean In, and today I will be interviewing my friend Tavneet, who is also a part of the production team. Welcome to the podcast, Tavneet. Hey, Steph. Thanks for bringing me on. No problem. So, why don't you start off with a little brief introduction? Tell me a little bit about your role at Ryerson. So, currently at Ryerson, I'm a graduate student, and I actually work with Brian in his research lab. So his lab is all mostly about Dyson solar cells and solar research. So I help out with that research in his lab. I work more on the synthetic side of the lab. So I'll help out with the synthesis of the dyes that go into the Dyson solar cells in his lab. That's so interesting. And why don't you give us a little background on your hometown and how did you get where you are now? Okay, yeah, sure. So. I grew up in Etobicoke. I was born there and I lived there till I was about nine years old. And then from there, my family moved to Brampton. I've lived in like the same area of Brampton since then, but my family's moved around a lot in like literally five minute distances of each other. So I've lived in three different homes in Brampton. When I finished secondary school, I was really conflicted on whether I should move away from my home and go to a further away university or if I should stay at home. It's kind of like I wanted to be more independent and get away from home, but I also was way too comfortable at home. So my middle ground is going to Ryerson since Ryerson was downtown. At this point in my life, I had not been, so I thought this was a way to get get away from home. York University was way too close to my home. So that was kind of my compromise with myself. From there, I fifth year, I decided to do a thesis. I was kind of on the fence of whether I should do a thesis like originally, but one of my friends was doing a thesis as well. And I feel like she kind of pushed and inspired me to do a thesis. Also, I only had two courses left to finish for my fifth year. So I did a thesis, I did it with Brian. And from there, during my thesis, I decided I still wanted to work in Brian's lab for my graduate school experience. But I felt like I missed out on that one-on-one experience with Brian during my thesis because he was on his sabbatical. So I applied to grad school with him and He said he wanted to take me on, but originally he didn't have funding for me. So he actually told me about this thing called MyTax. So MyTax is a nonprofit organization. And what they basically do is they help fund research initiatives. So I applied for the MyTax Accelerate program. And this is a really cool program that will help fund research students and like postdocs, et cetera, that need the funding that maybe the supervisor doesn't have the funds to like fund their stipend. So I applied for my tax and how this works is you need a company as well that the student would be working with. And again, we didn't have a company, so we actually made a company for me. I made up my own company name. It's called the Tech Tech. 
at the moment, I didn't realize how hard it was to say that and how weird it kind of sounds. But the reason I chose the name Detect Tech is because it stands for a detection technology, because that's kind of the research I do in Brian's lab. So I made this company that is my own company and it's kind of cool too because I get to have my own company that I could maybe do something with after I graduate if I want to I have it all set up and essentially my company well normally a company that actually the student is working under would fund half their stipend and my tax would fund the other half but since I'm my own company I fund half my stipend so over the summer I worked with Brian before my tax funded me and he paid me as a research associate so with that and other jobs I was able to save up to pay for half my stipend and my first year of grad school I pay 7500 for my stipend and my tax paid the other 7500 and each semester this process just repeats and it's really cool because technically I'm just recycling the same 7500 each semester and I think I end up with a little more, making a little more money than regular grad students would make. So this is, I think my tax is a great opportunity that everyone should know about. And it's a way for you to get funding that your supervisor may necessarily not have. Also, it's not that hard to get into my tax if you have the right application. And Leslie Bone, who's like the middle person at Ryerson, between Ryerson and my tax, uh, helped me out a lot with my application. She helped me edit it and gave me suggestions. So she was great for my, my tax application. So yeah, that's kind of how I got to grad school and my whole journey here. Wow, that's quite extensive. And you gave us quite the description about your my tax scholarship, is it? Yeah, well, it's not a scholarship. It's like the my tax accelerate, accelerate program. Okay, cool. So how did you decide to go into science? Oh, that's so interesting. I think part of it is I was really influenced by my parents. They're Indian. Of course, they want their kids to be doctors. But it was also part of it was growing up, like I was never really good at one subject. I was like kind of like I was good at all of them, but I was not amazing at any subject. So I was like really conflicted on where I wanted to go. And I think part of the reason I went into science was kind of probably under the influence of my parents. And a little bit of influence from myself. I think I had the idea that like science would probably be the best that I had at getting a good job. I don't know. That's kind of, and I didn't mind science. So it was kind of more of that rather than a huge, strong passion to go into science. <laughs> That's so interesting, but I guess it turned out well because you're still studying there and do you enjoy your program? Yeah, I, I definitely enjoy it. Yeah, I, I really like chemistry and like learning about it and even like biology, like other biology courses I've taken have been really interesting, some of them, like cell bio. I really like that. Yeah, some of the specific ones are really interesting, whereas the general ones sometimes are really hard to follow along and to just determine if you like them or not because they're so general. We're also saying that you decided to go to Ryerson because it's kind of that in-between type school where it's not that you're too far away, but you're not too close to home. And I just wanted to say that's probably exactly the reason why I chose Ryerson too so I just found that really interesting. Oh that's actually really interesting I didn't know that it kind of makes sense because you live in Whippy right so it's literally like about the same distance for you to get to like Ryerson as well right? Yeah exactly it was that whole conflict but it's nice to be downtown for the day and then you know back home at night. <laughs> and you get to like save money too living at home so that's like kind of the benefit of it. Oh yeah for sure besides the commute but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can, we can look over the commute for the money we save over the years. <laughs> for sure. And so since that you said you didn't do really well at any of the courses or you didn't really accelerate, I guess, in any of them, were you a good student? Like, how would you describe your undergraduate experience and 
the transition from high school to university was it difficult were you a good student did you get good marks that's actually so funny and I think I follow the same story that a lot of students follow where in high school it's quite sad to admit but I didn't have those study habits I went into school I got like really good grades I didn't study at all I did all my assignments last minute and I think that happens to a lot of students where high school isn't like super super hard but because I didn't have the study habits it didn't translate well into my first year initially I remember telling myself oh my god like why is everyone saying university is so hard like it's not that bad because the entire half a year first semester of university is all review so of course I'm not going to find it that hard but once we started learning those new concepts and I was like oh my god like we're learning so fast and I didn't have those good habits built up I did like horrible my first year and I really had to like learn and teach myself of how to build up those study habits or how to like balance school and being able to do it so that's something I, I really struggled with. That's really interesting too though because I swear sometimes if you didn't know Tavneet and I we work in the lab together but sometimes I come into the lab and Tavneet's on her little she has this journal where she was writing out a whole bullet journal about how to stay organized during school so I find that really interesting that you struggle with time management and whatnot because it looked as though you were super organized. <laughs> It's funny, actually. So that's actually part of the whole organization thing. Like over the years, I've had to find different methods of trying to stay on top of things. And I think a big one is organization. And I was never super good at agendas, but I recently discovered about bullet journaling, which is kind of what you saw me doing in the lab. I love bullet journaling. You don't have to be super artistic to bullet journal. And you can like basically make your own agenda. So what, if you want to omit the weekend, which I feel like is a useless feature of a lot of agendas that we don't really use, you can totally do that. You can just make it the weekdays. So that's like really exciting about bullet journaling. And do you have any other type of skills that, or um, I guess methods that people can use to cope with just like overwhelmment with school? I would say to really allocate a specific time of day when you're most productive kind of. So for me, I, I need to literally sit myself down and turn my phone off. And I think this is the advice a lot of people would give. And I would give this because I get distracted very, very easily. I need to turn my phone off and not even just put it next to me. I need to have it in like a separate part of my room where I won't go back to my phone. And sometimes I think rather than actually doing the work, it's the push to actually start the work. Because once I'm in the middle of doing work, a lot of times I'll think to myself, wow, this really wasn't that bad. But I think it's just that negative emotions you feel of starting the work that you need to push through. So sometimes I guess maybe it's even a mental thing. You can just tell yourself, okay, let's do 15 minutes of work. And by the ending of the 15 minutes, if I'm not happy, I can take a break. But I can guarantee most of the times 15 minutes into doing work, like you're going to be too into it to really notice that you don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, I totally relate to that. It's like you get into a state of flow. I also feel like a lot of people give this advice and it's so hard to listen to you. It really just comes down to doing and practicing it enough until you build those habits of being able to do work. It's like a lot of like a mental battle, I feel like with each person individually. Definitely. That's, that's such a great tip. Thank you so much. Okay, so let's shift gears a little bit. So you were saying that your parents had some expectations for you to be a doctor your whole life, I guess. Yeah. But what did you want to be when you were a kid? <laughs> I feel like it's completely opposite as to where I actually am now. When I was a kid, I was very, very dramatic. And my mom always used to call me such a dramatic kid. I feel like it's also like 
a youngest sibling syndrome thing. Like when you're the youngest, you just have to be dramatic and just stir up, yeah, stir up drama at your house. So my mom, especially, but even my siblings, my cousins thought I was super extra. So growing up, I had this like thing like, oh my God, I'm like so good at acting. And I really wanted to be an actress. And I was so into that idea. And I was like, wow, I'm going to be an actress. But then Growing up, I was actually quite shy with meeting new people. So I realized maybe acting is not for me. And I also realized I don't think I'm actually that great of an actress. So yeah. Well, have you ever had a chance to be in a play or to, I guess, act at all? Yeah, like I think growing up, like when you're in drama class, doing those class plays or stuff like that, I did. I really did enjoy that. I was comfortable always with my classes in elementary school. So that was never a problem. Yeah, that's kind of tough when you have stage fright to become an actress or... Okay, so why don't we talk about more about what you're doing right now? So you said that you're working this summer or what are you currently doing? Mm-hmm. Well, typically if COVID wasn't happening at Ryerson, I just finished my first year of my master's or why well, I'm almost done my first year of my master's. So I was taking not a lot, but I was taking courses. So I would either be in class or I most of the time you'd probably see me in my lab doing synthesis. So typically that would involve me setting up some type of reaction. And then a lot of my day, I would be doing column chromatography. For those of you, you, of you who don't know, that's a method of separate your compounds so you can isolate what you're looking for. You're so good at making those columns too. They're always these beautiful colors every time <laughs> I come in the lab. They're so pretty. Yeah, well, you, you kind of get better at it as you do. So many of them, I like, eventually get better at them. Yeah, you're always doing them. Sahana as well, if you've like, seen her around in the lab. Yes. She probably does more than I have. She's done so many. She's like yes. the column expert at Ryerson. She has really good columns too, I must say. <laughs> yeah, so right now what you're doing is you're at home and you're writing your thesis, right, for the summer? Since COVID has started, I've been spending most of my time writing my thesis, trying to get that out of the way so that I can maximize most of my time when I go back. I've been doing a lot of thesis writing right now, and it's kind of nice in a way during COVID that I get this uninterrupted time writing my thesis. I get to spend all my time researching and learning about the entire background of my project that it would be a little harder to do during a regular time without COVID. And so what would you say that you like the best about, I guess, your current position? I think what I like best about being a researcher is actually getting the opportunity to grow a lot. I think one of the biggest ways I've grown is in my presentation skills. When I present, I actually, like, I've dealt with a lot of stage fright and going up and getting very nervous. And for me, it doesn't matter if it's a group of five people I'm presenting to, if it's like a hundred people, I get nervous regardless. And I've dealt with a lot of anxiety presentations. And it's just, that's probably one of the biggest places I've grown since I've done research. And I think that cliche saying where it's like practice makes perfect is actually kind of true because the more presentations I do, the more comfortable I get. And even I've learned if I practice like crazy amount before, sometimes like it actually does help. So yeah, I think I've grown a lot in that way in research. Yeah, I totally agree with the research. You're always learning every single day and whether it's like one topic, you're really expanding your knowledge on that. And in regards to the anxiety, I definitely feel that too, especially since I've come to university, you know, like presenting to these big people and it's so scary sometimes but just like you said you just got to practice and I guess it is a cliche because that's what they always say but it's it's very true I would agree with that too. 
Yeah, I also feel like part of it is probably being intimidated. You should probably take down that mental block you have in your mind that I'm presenting to this professor and they're so much more smarter and intellectual than I am and I'm just up here and I'm saying this wrong or I'm not elaborating enough. And I think like removing that intimidation helps a lot and try not to like let yourself think that everyone's out there to judge you. You just need to go up there and give your presentation. That's that's a great tip of advice. I really like that because that's most of the time what it is, right? It's just you getting in your head. Yeah, definitely. So I guess what do you like least about your job? I don't know if it's going to be similar to what you just said, but Actually, I wouldn't say it's presentations. I'm happy with the presentations. There was probably a point where I hated presentations, but I think I've gone better at that. I think what I like least might be something that a lot of people feel. So a day, I, a long day I spend in the lab, like I'm doing columns all day, et cetera, and my back hurts because I've been leaning over and I just have really bad posture, so my back will hurt quite easily, but <laughs> I'll be tired. And then at the end of the day, I'll go to the NMR room. So this is like where you would test your compound and see if you got the correct thing and you go there and you see if you got the right thing and you just didn't like it's either your compound is mixed with something else or it's just not what you were expecting at all and you just spent all day doing this one thing and it's just like a horrible feeling and you're like oh my god I don't even want to go back at the lab like let alone grab my bag and so it's at least it happens at the end of the day so I can go home forget about it refresh and come back the next day and restart. Yeah, I totally, I can relate to that. But I guess the thing with research is that even though you're going to have failures, you're always able to go back into the literature, search some more and be able to adjust your methods so that you can get what you want. So it's definitely a lot of frustration, but that's what's something great about research is that you can always try again. Like you said, just the next day you go back and you're doing it again. Yeah, and I, one of the things Brian says a lot is research is a lot more of failing than actually succeeding. So I think you need to learn how to cope with the failure because if you can't cope with it, if you're going to see a lot of it. You need to learn how to deal with it and figure out a new way of possibly reaching that end goal. Oh, for sure. But then sometimes even the takeaway from failure is, okay, this method doesn't get this, but that's still important. You know what I mean? Like you have to figure out what doesn't get what you want so that you're able to find what you want. It's like science. You have to disprove things in order to prove it right yeah and that's a learning lesson as well I believe yeah I would agree okay well what inspires you the most about your job I guess maybe being able to go out and by doing research eventually one day when I get a job I could do some sort of research that could help out a lot of people depending on like what field you go into research there's so many different fields I let's say you just do cancer research or something like that or I don't know, some other type of research, you could help out a lot of people. And I just feel like that's a great, it's a great thing. And it's like, oh, it's not one specific thing. You can go into so many different companies and really have an impact on so many different people. Yeah, I would definitely agree. It's like that whole upstream approach, like as opposed to being a doctor, which is obviously a great job instead of impacting one person at a time with research, you're making these one things and you're doing huge implications for the whole population. So that's what I really like about research as well. And in regards to your research and I guess everything that you've learned your whole journey, what transferable skills do you think that students should have and why do you think that? So I think like based off my previous answers, this might be kind of (laughs) obvious as what I'm going to say, but I'll probably say the one thing I uh, I struggle with the most, which is communication. I think communication is a transferable skill 
that applies to every industry. You need communication to do well in the world. And that's not even just in your job to do well with your relationships, stuff like that. And I also think communication is not just, oh, talking. It like relates to a lot of things. With my presentations, it's being able to communicate the idea I'm trying to portray in my presentation, being able to do that and to do it confidently and without like stuttering, stuff like that. And I think communicating to other people, communicating to your boss, to your colleagues, and even communicating to different types of audiences, being able to take a high level idea and make it so it's digestible to anyone is a huge skill. And it's something that's desirable, I think, in everyone. Yeah, I would definitely say that that's such an, I guess, like an overlooked part of research. Like, yeah, the research itself is important, but if you can't communicate it, then the research, you can't do anything with it, you know? And that's really funny that you say that too, because in a lot of previous podcasts, a lot of uh, faculty members were also saying the same thing, that the most important skill is communication. There's a bunch of skills, I think, that are important, but humans are social creatures. You know, we're trying to pass on and create things and you're creating these things to share with other humans and the way we do this is by communicating so I think it really boils down to like communication oh for sure just like what we're doing right now through this podcast we're just trying to communicate to people and it's definitely something that everybody should be able to do yeah definitely okay so we're gonna switch gears a little bit and I'm gonna go into the rapid fire section so I'm just gonna basically ask you a shorter questions I guess that won't require as much of a detailed response so I've got quite a few questions here and I'll just go through them right now, okay? So what factoid do my colleagues know least about me? They don't really have this amazing fact that people are gonna listen and be like, wow, like I didn't know this about her. I'm not the most interesting person, but I, this is like a completely random fact that I'm pretty sure nobody actually does know about me, but I don't like escape rooms. I find them really boring and I hate them. And a lot of my friend, friends and family likes them and they'll drag me along to them. And I don't go to them as much anymore, but I hate them. I just hate the whole process of going in, trying to figure out the clues. And I think it's boring and I always feel like it's very similar. And it's not even, I'm super good at them and I always pass them. I just, I hate them. I hate sitting there and trying to mull over what I think the next clue is. I hate like sitting there for an hour thinking about, oh my God, what are we going to get out of here and go eat? And just so, it's like a random thing, but I really hate escape rooms. So yeah. That's so specific. I've actually never been to an escape room before, but I guess I'll keep that in mind. Maybe it's a waste of money. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you'll like it because a lot of my friends and family tend to like them. So maybe you would. That's funny, though, because I know that you like to listen to those crime podcasts. You were saying you like to listen to kind of like crime and like, I don't know, I guess that's kind of similar, but it's kind of Yeah, funny. well, I, I do like to listen to a crime podcast and like true crime and stuff like that. But I think it's maybe a lazy thing. I like to sit back and like have the story given to me, not have to like go search for the answers myself. It's <gasps> so funny. That's so specific. Okay, let's go into the next question. So what famous person, current or otherwise, would you most like to go to dinner with and why? I think I actually can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but if I had to choose the kind of person I'd like to go to dinner with, I'd probably want to go to dinner with a famous female type of research or entrepreneur and I think I'd just like to pick their mind and find out how they got to where they are the struggles they had to deal with with being female and maybe what advice they would give me I think that'd be really interesting and I would be able to relate to her at a level where I'm kind of in a similar position and I just think it's really cool because in history there wasn't a lot of recognition given to females I think it'd be really cool to see what she dealt with oh for sure I feel like like most mostly all we're studying is like these I guess male 
philosophers or male scientists. So it would be really interesting. That would be a great, that would be a great dinner. <laughs> okay, so this is like completely random, but TikTok is a big thing right now with like millennials <laughs> and Gen X kids or whatever. And right now on TikTok, I've been seeing a lot of recognition, which she has been getting recognition for, but Rosalind Franklin. So she was oh, the one yeah. who helped discover the structure of DNA. And a lot of people are upset over the fact that she wasn't given a lot of recognition around the time that this that the discovery was going around. So she's getting a lot of recognition now. So I thought that was really cool. On TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> so TikTok random. teaches you something new every day. Yeah. I thought TikTok, the only thing that TikTok taught me is just how to dance and stuff, I guess. They're just doing all those dances. I never thought it would be like science stuff on TikTok. That's so funny. Yeah, I think I have a lot of different things. I actually like to go on TikTok to find new recipes. It's a lot of like food yeah, recipes. Have, yeah, like DIYs or food recipes. Never I would think like, oh, they're giving credit to some scientists on it. <laughs> right? I think it's really cool and interesting. <laughs> okay, what is your favorite food? My favorite food Western would probably be patine. So patine is more of a side, I guess. But I love potatoes. I love gravy. I love cheese. Put it together and that's like amazing. It's like... <laughs> Oh, so great. So I also have to give credit to Indian food. And I also like, I love Indian food being Indian myself. So I think my favorite greasy type of Indian food is called shai paneer. So if you've heard of butter chicken, which I think most people know if they, when they think of Indian food, it's similar to that, but it's like the vegetarian version of that. So it's literally the same thing, but instead of chicken, they put paneer in it and it's so good. If you try butter chicken, it's like really similar to that. So that's my favorite Indian food. Yeah, some of my friends have had that dish before, and I'm, like, dying to try it. There's no good Indian food restaurants near my house, but maybe oh, really? one day I can have it with you. <laughs> yeah, I always talk about going to visit you, but maybe you can come visit me, and we can go somewhere in Brampton. <laughs> okay, that sounds really good, because you're vegetarian, right? Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, so what's your, okay, a lot of vegetarians that I know, they have, like, a guilty food, you know? It's, like, I guess sometimes my my vegan friend says it's like she's a dirty vegan because all she wants is like that greasy uh, mock meat type stuff. Do you have like a dirty vegetarian dish that you like? Do you know what I mean by that though? It's like she like she's like, well, I'm not this vegan that eats like beans and stuff. I go for like the crazy deep fried soybean or something like that. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, that's so interesting. Maybe I guess like when people think of vegetarian or vegan, they think of someone super healthy. I, I don't know if I have a very, very dirty like vegetarian dish because I think growing up, I didn't have the best diet. So I was already eating horrible like fast food <laughs> all the time. Maybe pizza because I had like this whole thing for pizza yeah. for a while where I was eating a lot of pizza. Mm, that, that's, a, that's still a good one, but that can be made healthy anyway. <laughs> so don't know how dirty that one is. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> okay, to contrast, what is your favorite beverage? So this is kind of like Indian related as well, but like it's mango juice. I feel like that's like a very oh, Indian. Yeah. yeah, it's like, no, like everyone can drink it, but there's a specific brand. It's called Rubicon. I usually see in the international aisle at Walmart. That's where my yeah. family shops for grocery. Oh my God. Have you tried it before, Steph? I think that they have it at like some Indian restaurants or like kind of, I've seen some at Middle Eastern restaurants too, I believe. Yeah, so Rubicon mango juice is so good. It's like a ma regular mango juice you can get at grocery stores is like very thin, but this uh -huh. is like super thick and super like sugary. It's like the top of the top of mango juice. It's so good. Like the mango nectar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's that. so good. Mango is yeah. so good as a juice. It's like literally the most fresh fruit, no matter where. Like I know we get it imported to Canada and stuff, but 
whenever I have a mango, it just tastes so fresh. I don't know. I wonder what it tastes like when it's actually picked off the tree, though. <laughs> I have no idea, and I don't think I want to know. It's probably not as sweet it's tasting. Probably, it'd probably, like, be so much worse after you come back to Canada. You'd be like, oh my god, why do these mangoes suck? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what is your favorite color? I think I have the same favorite color as a lot of people. When I was younger, I thought green was trendy and oh my god, girls don't like green. So I wanted to be cool and I liked green. <laughs> but then I stuck with the color because growing up, like when you think of green, the first thing I think of is nature and it just reminds me of relaxing and being like all chill. So I just love nature. I love hiking. So I just associate green with that. And yeah, it's still my favorite color to today. Yeah, that's, I actually painted my room green when I started university because it was like a bright, bright turquoise, like, you know, when you're a kid, but I painted it green because it reminds me of nature. So that's so funny that you said that because I wanted something that was like serene and relaxing. And now every time I look at it, I just think of like trees and stuff. Yeah, I think it's like a great color and it's really meditative. And Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, I've got another one, but instead of a question, it's complete this sentence. If I was not a scientist, I would like to be... Oh my god. <laughs> this this relates again to my not being amazing at any subject or not knowing what I wanted to do. If I wasn't a scientist, I don't know what I'd want to be. I've had uh, moments in my undergrad where I was like, I should have gone into this or that, but it's never been like, I need to go into this. Maybe part of, I help out with the podcast as well. I sometimes have this creative side of me. So maybe if I wasn't a scientist, I would go into some type of communication technology. When I was in high school, I took ComTech in grade 11 and 12, and I loved it. I loved the design aspect, working with Illustrator, Flash, Photoshop, but I was never super artistic. I like to be creative, but I'm not like some amazing artist. So that kind of stopped me from going into that. So maybe I'd like to challenge myself. And if I wasn't a scientist, I'd go into something, some type of design thing. That's kind of funny because I would consider you quite a creative person. Like when I see you working on your bullet journal, it's not just this plain journal that had like these, this beautiful font. Oh my God, it was so nice. And it had like little pictures and drawings and the design was so nice. And you're working, you're currently working on uh, Brian's website, I know. And then you're also doing the podcast with us and you're always craving these like creative projects. So I, I would definitely describe you as a creative person. So that's funny that you wouldn't describe yourself as that. I like to be creative. I guess I put myself down because I'm not super artistic in terms of drawing. I can draw these elaborate schemes and stuff like that. So I think that's why I tell myself I'm not artistic, but I do love the creativity side of things. Yeah, for sure. I would definitely consider you a creative person. Well, thanks, Steph. <laughs> okay, so next question. What is something in the top 10 of your bucket list? I think this is another weird one again. <laughs> it has to do with my upbringing. <laughs> um, this is a weird one I don't think you're a lot like, of people are going to have you're like go to India and eat some mangoes or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is related um, so basically growing up my mom I think she's a fear of water and drowning like going to the beach when we were younger she would scream at us if we went too far into the water <laughs> oh she didn't want us to drown because of her fear she never put us in swimming and I, I hate that I've always wanted to learn how to swim I've been envious of other people who have been able to swim and I, me and my sister love traveling. We travel together a lot and a lot of places we go to are hot and tropical and one of the biggest activities you can do there is swimming, snorkeling, scuba diving, like all these cool things I always see other people doing and we can't swim so we can't do any of those cool things. So I think something in the top 10 of my bucket list would to be learn how to, how to swim. Me and my sister actually took adult swimming classes a few years ago 
we pass level one and we fail level two. We did learn how to like do basic things like back flow, front flow, doggy paddle. But since we didn't have time, we didn't properly see it till the end. I think I would like to finish taking lessons and be able to learn how to properly swim so I can go to these cool countries and actually do the cool things I want to do. Oh yeah, for sure. Because I remember you were telling me that like you've been to Bali and stuff and right, you've been to Bali, right? Not Bali. I think you're confusing with Thailand. I've been to Thailand. Oh, Thailand. Right. Thailand. Yeah. You went to Thailand and I remember you showing me pictures of the house that you went to and you were like so raving (laughs) about the pool and stuff. And then when one day I was inviting you over to swim and you're like, oh, I actually don't know how to swim. I'm like, what? You literally went to Thailand and you were like so excited about swimming and stuff. (laughs) So I know it's, it's it's sad. What I'll do is I'll take these fake pictures of me like sitting by the water pretending <laughs> to swim, but I, I I sadly can't. So it's okay. What I'll we will fi- we will fix that. You will learn how to swim. I promise. <laughs> Teach me. <laughs> okay, so I don't know. If this is kind of similar to the other question, but maybe you can answer it. Who is or was your favorite role model? I don't think I have a favorite role model. I, a lot of people who have been my mentors have been great role models to me or people I just look up into in life. I don't think I'd pick a favorite, but I think overall throughout the years when I was in high school, I had so many different teachers that really I looked up to that were really good mentors in my life. Brian's a great mentor in my life. Other people I go to in my life, my sister, my partner have always been great role models of things I should do or I could go to them for advice overall throughout my life I've had great role models and I don't think I could pick a specific person to be the best role model but I I would give credit to all of them that's really nice too though because then it means that I guess you know all the people that you look up to and you're seeing them on a constant basis so they're really it's showing that the people you're surrounding yourself with are really adding value to your life Yeah, I think everyone has had a step in where I've been and how I've gone into where I am. So I'd like to give credit to everyone. And so in regards to that, what do you think your greatest achievement is? So this relates to traveling. Me and my sister and my brother went to go visit Japan four or five years ago or something. So it was the three of us in Japan. And this was back when I wasn't like, I didn't work out a lot, nor did they. My brother did work out, but he was in a phase where he wasn't at this point. And when we were in Japan, we wanted to do something really cool. We wanted to go, not just go visit Mount Fuji. We wanted to climb to the summit of Mount Fuji. And the three of us, like my brother put his foot down and he was telling my sister and I, like, we're not doing that. Like how you guys are not fit. You guys are not going to make it to the top. And we begged him and we convinced him to come up with us. And he was probably the best out of the three of us. And if he wasn't there, we probably would not have made it to the top. But there was a lot of whining and crying and it took us seven and a half hours to get to the top. Not oh straight. Yeah, it wasn't straight. It got dark at night. So I think four hours into climbing, we had to stop at one of the little huts and then we had to do the final three and a half hours the second day. But I'll tell you, it was like one of the most difficult things I had to do in my life. It was so hard. And it's so funny because I wear sunscreen now because you should wear sunscreen even if you don't get sunburned. And back then I didn't realize that. But we never used to wear sunscreen because we would never get burnt. We would get tanned. So climbing up Mount Fuji, you go higher and higher in elevation. I had a hat on and my brother and my sister didn't. They didn't wear sunscreen. And they both got like severely burnt at the top because like we had to go up really high. It was the first time getting sunburnt. So that was interesting. Oh, that's so cool. That's such a great achievement. Seven hours. So then that means you had to go back down too. Was it faster on the way down? Yeah, it was faster. It was about half the amount of time, four hours. We were, when we started going down, it was not bad. We're going down, but it mm-hmm. actually was, you get tired by the end, like by the ending of it, you're tired of like continuously like climbing down. You get tired of that too. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Especially with the whole altitude change thing. I think whenever I'm out west and I'm doing a hike, it's like 20 times harder. So I can't even imagine climbing a whole mountain. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of shocked at myself for doing that back then. Like even now I work out more, but like I would still think twice about climbing a mountain. That's so interesting. I never knew that you did that. That's so cool. Okay, to contrast, what was your greatest failure? I think I'll just like attribute it maybe to overall procrastination. I don't have a specific incident I can think of off the top of my head for my greatest failure, but I've dealt a lot with like procrastination throughout my schooling years and I've struggled a lot with that. And that goes in regards to some of my really bad presentations have been me maybe feeling anxious about the presentation and not practicing as much as I should have. Sometimes I do practice a lot and I do horrible, but like sometimes it's part of me procrastinating about it because I don't feel good about it. So I think overall, like procrastination has been part of my greatest failures and my schooling career. Sometimes when I hand in assignments late or I don't do them has just been down to procrastination, I think. That's a really common topic. So I'm sure a lot of people can relate to you on that. And what are you most grateful for? I'm probably most grateful for my family. My family has always been there for me and we've had our ups and downs over the years, but we've grown together a lot as a family. And this includes my cousins as well. I'm really grateful for them because throughout the years when I've gone through my struggles at school and other life struggles, I can always go back to them. And they're not just my family. They're like built-in best friends that I don't need to go out and look for. So that like I would say I'm most grateful for them. That's so nice. And yeah. what concerns you the most? I think something that really has always concerned me is getting a job. I've always been worried about I can find a job that I'll I'll like if I work at a job where the colleagues are great or even just finding a job. I think there's a lot of stress I feel when I think of graduating and I think of the whole process of looking for jobs and finding a job that's near my home. What if I don't find one and my commute's horrible? I don't want to go through that again. So (laughs) I think that's like a, a huge concern of mine. Yeah, I totally can relate to that. And I'm sure lots of other people can too. That's really common. It's it's very scary. <laughs> scary because now everybody is getting university degrees or diplomas and stuff. And so it's it, the competition is really big and it's hard to find a job. But, you know, I think everything will work out. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I hope it works out for all of us. <laughs> okay, this one might be, this one's going to be a really good question. I'm, I really want to know your answer to this. What spot in the world do you most like traveling to? I've loved a lot of the countries I've actually gone to. Japan is definitely in like the top, I would say for me, but to give a different answer I haven't been given yet, maybe I'll... So last year, my family traveled to Europe. I didn't go on the whole Europe trip with them because I wanted to stay and work. So I only went on half the trip with them. But I think from that trip, my favorite country we went to was probably Spain. And we only spent like like two or three days in Spain but it was amazing the culture there the food they have like this food called tapas which is like appetizers like Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of little appetizers I love that they have great attractions great places to see I just I just love the atmosphere and the vibes I was getting in Spain the weather I just I really like Spain and I'd like to go back and travel more of Spain if I had the choice to I remember last summer when you were going to Europe, I was so jealous. I was like, oh my God, I hope you have fun. And you came back and you've been all over Europe. I was so jealous. But it's so funny that you said Spain because Spain is like my number one place that I want to go. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, I I definitely definitely recommend it. That's so interesting that you say that. I know you've been lots of places. That's really cool. And okay, right now too, maybe you'll be able to answer this question a lot more accurately. But what is your most productive time of day? I think my most productive time 
is probably the morning and I like early riser I love waking up early there's nothing that beats an early morning and I mean early by like seven or eight I feel happiness when I wake up that early oh my if god I see, if I wake up and I see 11 oh my god it just brings me down I lost my whole day if I sit myself down I just feel like I have all this energy if I go into work I just have no loss of energy versus like the evening it's very hard I feel very lazy and I don't I'm, I'm not as productive that's so funny I'm the complete opposite <laughs> oh that's so interesting yeah when you were like the, the morning gives me energy I was like oh no <laughs> I don't know if you heard me grunt but I'm like no I hate the morning <laughs> I don't know how you do that if throughout the day you expend your energy how, how are you able to work in the evening well maybe not so much work in the evening but I just I can't get up early <laughs> oh okay that makes more sense <laughs> okay what is your favorite hobby favorite hobby now is probably cooking I really enjoy cooking and I've been getting into cooking for the past like two-ish years but I think COVID has been great for giving me an opportunity to cook a lot I've been cooking for my family and it's always a great feeling to get when you get compliments on your cooking like you just feel so good like I made this and like they're so happy about it but I think it's also great getting feedback and learning how to like get better at cooking it's really fun yeah I definitely agree COVID has given me lots of chances to yeah. uh, forward my cooking but don't talk to me about cooking because I could talk about it for hours so yeah I, <laughs> but, I know you're really into cooking too <laughs> yeah okay let's move on to the next question then before I get you stuck in a web of conversation okay what piece of advice would you give your second yourself I'd probably give myself the advice to I was filled with a lot of regret from my first year and I was filled with a lot of almost self-hatred for myself or how I didn't do that well in my first year. And I did do a lot better in terms of grades, I guess, in my second year, but I was really upset on myself over it. And I think it's okay. It happens to a lot of people where you don't do that great in your first year. And I don't think I should have been so hung up over it and let it really affect my mood because it's not a big thing. And if, even if you do bad in your first year, if you learn the habits, if you better yourself and you grow, it's okay to do bad in your first year. That's a great piece of advice because I know lots of people, they don't perform as well in their first year as they would like to. And, you know, you're transitioning from high school to a whole new atmosphere. You might even be switching towns, which you and I kind of were. And that's definitely a great tip for people because you still got three more years. You can do it. (laughs) Just switch it around. Yeah, because like, I think part of it was in high school, you don't have a GPA versus you think you oh, ruined yeah. your whole GPA in your first year, but you can definitely bring it up again if you put in the, the, the work. Oh yeah, for sure. And I find that every single year in university is so different. So sometimes you just have to take that into consideration. And that's definitely something that I've learned too, is just not to be so hard on yourself. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so I'm just going to switch gears a little bit again, and because we are in the middle of a pandemic, I know that you're probably super saturated with talking about COVID, but I'm just going to ask you a few questions about COVID just to see how you're coping with it. So what would you say your biggest challenge is with COVID? My biggest challenge, I would probably say two. One, I guess a lot of researchers probably feel the same way, is not being able to go into the lab and get the results I need. It's like been three months into like the quarantine now. So I'm missing out a lot of time in grad school of like the research I should be getting in. So I feel like that's a huge challenge for me. And a second challenge would the quarantine's loosening up a little now, but I feel like initially we had really strict rules where you weren't supposed to visit your friends or your family or really close to my like my family and especially my grandma she lives with my cousin so I didn't want to ever go and get my grandma sick or anything 
so I wouldn't go visit my grandma but it was hard like there was a couple of times where I had to grab something from my cousin's house and my cousin would go drop it off outside and me and my sister would go pick it up from the driveway and my grandma would just stand at the window and wave at us and it was so sad because I wanted to go in and hug my grandma so I think that was like a huge challenge for me oh that's so sad yeah I feel like most of my family's pretty far away so I haven't felt that as much but that's so sad you know what strategies do you have for coping with COVID? I'm actually introverted. So in terms of coping, it wasn't that hard for me to do. Staying at home all day, I love that kind of stuff. But <laughs> I agree. I, <laughs> yes, but I love staying at home. I love having my own time. But obviously, if you're at home all day, hold up in your room, which I tend to do a lot. Yeah. It could, even being introverted, it could still get to you. So I think one thing that really helped a lot was me and my sister started running together during the quarantine. I've slowed down on it now because it's getting really hot and I've transitioned over to exercising at home, but I needed that push from running. So we started running together and it was really nice to be able to go out to start running and to get the exercise in and take in nature. It was, it was really nice and it helped me cope a lot with COVID, I'd say. Oh yeah, definitely. And I don't know if any of these listeners have had a chance to listen to the nutrition and self-care podcast, but in that podcast, which I was featured in, I actually referred to you, Tavni, because I was saying, you know, we had a lab group meeting and this one girl, she said she was going for runs with her sister and it inspired me. And because of you, I've been running as well since COVID yeah. started. So, And that's great. I recommend it to everyone. <laughs> Just before we close out, because it's been a little while, do you have any, any last words, any pieces of advice that you would give to anybody? Maybe just if you're not feeling super good during COVID or just in general, even without COVID, I think maybe finding a way for yourself to cope with that situation is what you should do. And there's different ways of coping. It's not just exercising or running, although I do think that's really important. It helps. Yeah, physically, it has lots of good benefits, right? Like for your body, your mental health. Yeah. So I would say finding some method of coping. Say I would suggest it to anyone. There's you can Google it. You can look into methods other people do. Some people like to listen to the sleep apps or the like the meditative mm-hmm. apps. So maybe that could work for somebody. I think there's many different methods. And you shouldn't just look at one method to find as a way of coping. I would suggest that. And I think when you're relaxed and you're not stressed out, you can think a lot clearer and you can think about those things that bring you anxiety and maybe find a solution or find a way of working towards you know figuring out that problem yeah thank you for that I think that's you know with that being said I think that that concludes our uh, podcast for today thank you so much Tevni for being a part of this and I really enjoyed interviewing you yeah thanks Steph thanks for having me on I I actually really enjoyed it I was like this is fun (laughs) okay talk to you soon